0: Welcome to Middle Movers, a podcast for entry and mid-level marketers who want to learn from people on the same rung of the ladder. I'm your host, Khadija, and I'm a growth marketer at Manchester-based Six Flow. Thanks for tuning in. episode of Middle Movers podcast. Can't believe I'm saying this, but this is episode 11. And I'm so happy to welcome today Mike McCleary, who's a product marketing manager and one of my former lecturers. But he's he's a product marketing manager at Magnet Forensics and so happy to have him on the show today. Welcome Mike.
1: Thanks so much, Khadija. I was like, I, I feel like that uh, we met many lifetimes ago.
0: <laughs> it's true. It really does feel like a long time ago. I think it was like almost five years ago, come to think of it. So,
1: I th- you know what? I think it was. And uh, I was like, so much has happened since then. But uh, really, really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. Thanks for so much for agreeing. Because <laughs> I know <laughs> it's like kind of out of left field sometimes when someone asks you to be on a podcast. But, you know, I've been lucky with like 100% conversion rate when I've asked people. So... Happy oh, I'm
1: it. not surprised by that. You're very, very compelling, Khadijah.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much. It's all my sales experience. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> oh, man. So how is how's your day? It's a beautiful day. Not that people can see that, but it's a beautiful day here. How are you doing?
1: I... Uh, Very, very well. And I was like, I've actually been really enjoying today. It's like the first day uh, in a while where it's been like bright and sunny and wonderful. And so I was just sitting outside uh, over the lunch hour taking in some rays. So it's been it's been awesome.
0: I'm happy to hear that. Are you do you have a sunburn or did you was it okay? (laughs)
1: It was was totally okay, but I was like, fair question, because uh, I'm willing to bet that I'll have one probably sooner than later.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, like, you remember how we had those nice days in March? My partner, like, he got sunburned in March. So, I mean, (laughs) it's not looking good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I was like, I definitely have to uh, take some sun care, that's for sure. (laughs) Definitely,
0: definitely. Daily practice. I wear mine every day. So, you know, I'll throw that out there.
1: I, it's it's a good practice. I was like, I feel like I've got to get my behaviors changed a little bit to uh to be better on that front
0: exactly. no time, it's never too late to start, you know, no time the, like the present, so
1: yeah, agreed, agreed.
0: So I know you've done your homework and you've you've listened to some other episodes, and you know that I like to start off with asking people to share three fun facts about themselves. um, so no pressure. I'm excited to hear yours. <laughs> Um, yes I, go right ahead and i, I was
1: like it, it's totally <laughs> hilarious because I, I feel like this is the kind of question that that makes me the most nervous
0: <laughs> everyone says that they're like i don't like this or like i dreaded asking or answering this or i thought about this for so long and i'm like why don't people think that they're fun like i think i'm fun so i want <laughs> to hear
1: more that totally totally but it, uh, like i think it's just because you end up Sitting there and it's like oh well I am myself like each and every day and so to pick True. three fun things that you know are just a, a, a bit of normal uh, a bit of normalcy for yourself is uh, it feels a little strange but it's it, uh, I mean I'm glad that you asked the question anyways um, but three fun facts about myself so I would say the the first one that uh, that some folks don't know about me is that I actually played uh baseball for thompson rivers university when i was going through my undergrad and oh, wow. this one is uh, like almost a bit of a brag by proxy but it was pretty good level baseball and my uh, my catcher at the time was actually drafted by the uh, la dodgers in the i think it was the 2005 amateur player draft so wow. it's uh, it was a pretty yeah it was some pretty good ball Um, and then I had a ton of fun playing and got to travel pretty much the entire west coast of uh North America um playing.
0: That's amazing. I didn't know that you were a varsity athlete. That's so cool.
1: It's uh it was really fun. Yeah, no no no, super cool. And um yeah, yeah, my coach at the time was uh Ray Chadwick, an ex MLB player, so yeah, it was uh it was a really neat opportunity to be able to go out west, play ball, and uh, go to school at the same time.
0: Oh my gosh! Do you still play for fun? Like, do you keep up your your skill set, or what are we? Uh, here?
1: My, I would say my skill set has declined significantly <laughs> since then. But uh, <laughs> that's okay. I do like. Yeah, yeah. I was like, obviously, still love playing catch, still love being out there. But I'm willing to bet that uh, my next foray into baseball would probably be on the coaching side of things at some point, rather than on the playing side.
0: Nice. Well, I think it's good to be multifaceted like that. So, all the power to you with the coaching.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. No problem. Um, so, fun fact number two, um, yeah. and this one obviously you know, Khadija, but uh, I have my PhD in film studies, um, and yeah, he does. my yeah, my my expertise in that was um, looking at how uh, technology impacted the way that filmmakers were telling story, but mm-hmm. it. During the the course of things, I actually got asked to teach a a horror course, but when I got the the syllabus from the department, it was actually a gothic horror course, and I was like, I have no idea anything about gothic horror um, (laughs) texts or novels or films, so... I ended up having to do a bunch of research, uh, to figure out the, the gothic specific component of it. Right. Um, and it ended up being, um, probably my favorite experience out of my entire PhD journey, um, awesome. teaching that gothic, yeah, gothic horror film course. It was, uh, it was really, really good.
0: That's awesome. Do you still, um, like, do you watch like gothic horror films for fun? Like now that that time has passed, I have to ask.
1: I'm, I most definitely do. Yep. Okay, and, great. um, yeah, no, I uh, I ended up actually watching quite a few. And I was like, they're a little bit harder to find because there's, uh, hmm. I would say some like specific elements of it that aren't included in every horror movie. Right. Um, and I was like, we could totally get into the, the details of it, but it might take an entire uh, semester to be able to get through it.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Do you have any favorites that you've seen so far that you want to share with the crowd?
1: Yeah, um, so The Witch, uh, which was, uh, I think it might have been Anya Taylor-Joy's first kind of Hollywood vehicle, uh, which yeah. was actually shot just north of Algonquin Park in Ontario here oh, wow. uh, by Robert Eggers. Yeah, super cool, local connection, great film. It was um, really
0: good. I remember watching that too. Really, really good.
1: I, I totally love it. Yeah. Um, it Follows, also great film, pretty, like from the, the same time. Mm Uh, and then one of my favorite films of all time, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, um, totally worth a watch.
0: (laughs) A classic. We love the classics. A classic.
1: (laughs) Well, and I was like, how can you not love like 1980s practical effects? They're so good.
0: (laughs) It's true. And like, it's cool to see how far we've come, but also you can look back and be impressed with like the technology and like how they're willing to like push the boundaries at that time too. So I appreciate both things for sure.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, but I, I absolutely love it. Um, awesome. And the last fun fact, um, over the pandemic, uh, we got a puppy um, oh. and it's a little pug puppy. So we got, uh, we got Frankie, our pug, uh, and we call her Frankie the Adventure Pug because she comes with us. Uh, canoeing she came with us on a, win- a winter hike out to uh the grotto up in um tobermory nice. uh, and yeah it was like she's just been a complete awesome bit of fun through uh through this time
0: That's amazing. And she sounds like she's she's really more out there than other pugs that I know that are like going for yeah. so, like I don't know any others that are like going out for those long hikes and stuff so I mean that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I really like Yeah, it.
1: no so <laughs> I was she's just been uh yeah she's been totally awesome and we like we've been really surprised at um like how much fun she's had out and uh, out on hikes with us and things like that too so it's been great
0: that's awesome on a scale of one to ten how would you say it is like or how would you say the experience was of having a puppy or raising a puppy
1: Uh, I, I, you know what? I don't even know that I can, that I can appropriately rate that. Like (laughs) there's been so many parts of it where, uh, having a puppy was so challenging and it was like, oh man, like, I don't know why people think puppies are fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot (laughs) of work. Yeah. It's, it, it's a ton of work, but now that she's, um, just over a year, uh, like we're having a ton of fun with her, but those first couple of months when she wasn't, uh, when she wasn't sleeping, having her, br- or like having to bring her out through the night, those ones were obviously a little bit more challenging, but like yeah. that, uh, that's part and parcel of the journey. And like, you don't get to have the fun now without putting in the work.
0: Yes, true. Very, very true. Um, with our dog, he is a rescue. So we got him when he was, well, so we think anyway, he was about 14 months Um, So that was a whole other experience because he hadn't really, like, been on leash before. Um, He was house trained, though, which was nice. We didn't have to go through all of that stuff. But definitely a lot of work, you know, for commands and things like that. And just, like, reiterating those skills to build up his confidence, which was obviously super rewarding now to see that he is so confident and has found his voice, as I like to say. Um, it's, It's such a rewarding experience to see, like, how much they can change over a matter of months, or over the course of a year, and and like how much of them like of a personality that they build too—it's so much fun. <laughs>
1: it's so much fun and it's pretty incredible like you said to to see the change in their journey and so yeah yeah, that's where the the ranking I think is so tough because on some days it's like on a scale to 10 like it's like a 12 it's like this is the greatest thing that ever happened yeah and then you come home the next day and they've like torn up their bed and it's like oh man (laughs) today (laughs) is a three
0: (laughs) (laughs) we've definitely had a couple of those too but now he doesn't have a bed, so it's one of those things. He's got his kennel now. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to re this or restuff it or worry about you eating too much of the stuffing and, you know, all those worries that happen, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have to resow be Frankie's bed right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's the thing, too, because I was like, maybe this would have been a good time to try again with him having a bed because we've been at home, but still, you know, you can't keep an eye on them all the time. So I wasn't ready. (laughs) The trauma is still very fresh, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. So, Mike, in the last year, we were both talking about this before we started recording, but, you know, we both had the opportunity to thankfully, like, still be working full time throughout the pandemic. And then, you know, you entered the world of product marketing. And you are currently at Magnet Forensics. So I know what Magnet Forensics is because I spent time in Waterloo and, you know, we're connected on LinkedIn. And, like, there's just been so many things in the news. But would love if you could share with people who don't know the Coles Notes version of what Magnet Forensics is. <laughs> and also a bit more about your role as um, a product marketing manager there.
1: Oh, would love to. Would love to. Perfect. So I add... At Magnet, we uh, we develop uh, digital forensic software and really other tools to support uh, the investigation of uh, digital crimes and cyber attacks and things of that nature. Right. Um, and we we build those tools for customers, both in the, the public and private spheres. Um, yeah, really... Um, and uh, like, I, I've really enjoyed my time with the company so far. And yeah, yeah uh, as we said, when we were uh, just on the call beforehand, I'm about right in the middle of week eight. So everything is still very, very fresh. But yeah. it's uh, it's been such a good experience uh, joining Magnet and uh, going down the road with them so far.
0: That's awesome. It seems like I feel like it's such a niche type of company. Like, obviously, there's other folks that would be in your space, but I feel like you're the only person I know that's actually like A, works at a company like that, and B, like been marketing at a company like that. So I think that it's really cool that you come on here and, you know, shed light on the different um, industries that people might not know about as much, like myself, or not even know about at all. So
1: it's good. Well, I <laughs> uh, and it, for me, it's been really interesting, too, because it's almost mm. the flip side of the, the cybersecurity conversation. So with right. all of the, the security and privacy, there's going to be the flip side when if, um, if somebody's doing something untoward, you kind of have to be able to, to figure those things out. And um, right. yeah, we're there to be able to support that side of it. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see kind of the, the both sides of the coin on that one.
0: That's awesome. And then in terms of, like, you had mentioned how um, you're building different tools or, like, not you specifically, but, like, the company's building, um, like, different tools on both the private side and then the public side as well. Um, Do you find that, well, maybe it's too soon for you to know, but have you found that you've had, like, um, a good opportunity to kind of balance doing marketing for both sides or do you find that you're kind of focused more between like the private or the public sector of things
1: so far? No, really good question. Really good question. And I mm-hmm. was like, uh, maybe this is a good segue to come back to, to chat a little bit more about kind of uh, product marketing specifically. Sure. Um, so um, as a product marketer, I'm responsible for ensuring that my product or products are uh, presented and kind of represented as best as possible in the market into um, yeah. like the, the the specific market that it, that I'm speaking to. Um, and so in my case, I'm actually supporting uh, a product that's um, there for the law enforcement community, and so I have very much been on the the public side of things. Oh, okay. um, At the same time, though, because we do have um, the products that are on the private side as well, Mm -hmm. I just end up coordinating um, with the product marketer, um, Sal Zs, over on the the private side to ensure that our uh, messaging is not quite aligned, but that it's complementary. Like This is where... uh you know this is where uh certain things work for my uh demographic and here's where certain things work for for his demographic and then here's where perhaps some of the the points of difference are
0: okay that's awesome so it's good that like yeah even if you have like more of a focus in one area that you still get to be exposed to the other side and yeah see how those like what you're doing for output works together with that so that's cool i like the sound
1: yeah it's uh it's Yeah, it was like, it's been really good and I I really enjoyed it uh, Mm. or have been enjoying it.
0: That sounds like a really awesome contrast between being able to be focused on, you know, kind of one more, like one area of the business more, but also getting to work with folks in your, um, on your team rather that are, you know, also, you know, working on the other side or the other half, I guess you could say between the two sectors. Um, But when it comes to like product marketing specifically, you know, with your time in the field, how has that really, um, helped you or kind of made it seem like the thing that you want to stick with right now? Um, like, why is it this field of marketing?
1: It's, uh, and I was like a really good question. And, uh, like I love product marketing so much because you end Mm. up, um, being able to do so many different things, uh, all within one role. Um, And so when I'm working to uh, to make sure that my products are represented as best as possible in the market, you know, Mm -hmm. what that basically means is that if we think about, uh, let's say, product uh, sales and marketing as their own independent spheres, sort of with their own goals and objectives Mm -hmm. as product marketers uh, sit right in the middle of all three of those. You know, we're in the we're in the center of the Venn diagram. Um, and so yeah. where I'm specifically responsible for Axiom, uh, which is our sort of cornerstone product for digital forensics examiners, all um, mm-hmm. really collaborate with, let's say, product managers to gather customer feedback and insight to ensure that I can speak um, to the market appropriately and make sure that we're addressing their problems um, and needs. Right. But I'll also work with uh, sales to help uh, enable um, different selling strategies to help optimize the positioning and write, uh, let's say sales briefing notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also get to work with sort of the more, uh, traditional, uh, marketing folks as well, uh, to manage, let's say the go to market strategy, to work with the content marketing team to ensure that mm-hmm. we're getting the right messages out. Um, and so it, it really is such a, a great opportunity to be able to do many different things, to keep um, to keep in touch with sales, to keep in touch with product, to keep in touch mm. with marketing and to make sure that you kind of at the top of the, or to make sure that you're keeping your skills honed in all of those different spheres um, while also getting to do some research, looking at things like competitive intelligence, you know, looking at what some of the technology trends are so that, uh, yeah, you can really make sure that you're putting together the most informed uh, positioning content uh, that you can.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. And then something that I, like as you were speaking, I was thinking about too, um, and I've never really asked anybody in product product marketing about this, um, but do you feel like when you're working with, you know, a specific product that might be a bit more on the complex or like super technical side, like do you feel like you have to know all of the ins and outs of that product to be able to market it effectively? Or do you think it's something you can kind of like have a more general understanding of and still be effective in your role?
1: I would say that there's, there's probably two answers to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think to a certain degree, both can be answered by um, like really focusing on the use case and the need. So if you, if you don't necessarily have like a strong technical understanding, there's a ton of, um, of the, the different products that I've um, marketed over uh, both of my product marketing roles where I, I haven't known necessarily the, the full uh, technical details of the product. But what right. I do know um, is how um, users can implement the product. I do understand, you know, how it helps solve their needs. And I also know, like, at what point to go and find help. So right. when I'm talking to a customer that's asking for you know something very very technical very specific, that's a great time to pull in let's say a product manager or you know your sales or your um, your customer support folks mm-hmm. um, to to really help you actually get into some of those details. So. You do, I think to a certain degree, it's like a, it's beneficial to get as much technical detail as you can, um, understanding right. that it is going to take time. Like you won't wake up tomorrow or at least I won't wake up tomorrow coming out of an arts background and be able to, <laughs> to fully understand how all of these things work. Um, but the more that I can understand, the more that I can speak to the benefits and the better I can describe how um, right. the tools can help solve the problem
0: that makes perfect sense. Because yeah, I think when I was thinking about that question, like it also depends, uh, you know, what sector you're in or industry. And also like, yeah, like I said, the complexity of the product. So for some, like, might be quicker to pick up. But I feel like something like this, like it really will take time. But at the same time, like you need to get going with, you know, your different goals and KPIs and, you know, different outputs that you might have. So just wondering if you feel like, just generally like if, if you could move forward with that kind of stuff or at least start to get into it without fully understanding the product end to end so that's a good answer and something to think about for sure
1: yeah totally and I, I like mm-hmm. and i do think that as uh, like as a good product marketer like you kind of have to to figure out how you can push things forward without being an absolute expert when you're coming into a new organization or a new role so for sure those things are you're almost going to push forward like in parallel and almost uh, interdependently of one another
0: yeah no that makes sense and yeah i'm i'm also a firm believer too that um like you don't necessarily have to know anything but if you're willing to be resourceful and you know like you said like do the research or you know recognize when you do need to get assistance then you can still there's no reason that you can't be successful and can't build your own understanding of whatever it is that you have to um pay attention to so
1: yeah, one hundred percent. And I would, I think that the the real, um, like the real mm. Mm, value or the real characteristic that would mark uh, like a product marketer as being distinct from anything else is that innate mm. sense of curiosity. And so most of the, well, actually all of the product marketers that I met along the way, it's like they're always interested in learning more. They're always like, interested in exploring and kind of digging deeper. And right. it's that. Uh, like that kind of uh, personality quirk perhaps of the the PMMs that uh, I think allows them uh, to be able to dig into things that they're unfamiliar with and then uh, to kind of learn how to learn how to be successful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense, actually. And yeah, it's kind of like, I think this is just my sales brain firing, but, you know, always having that one more question, right? There's always that extra piece of information that you can gather that you know paints the picture better so i think that is something that obviously like fits into product marketing too based on what you're saying just like always ready to see what's next or what you can ask next especially when you're interacting with customers and stuff as well so
1: 100 percent, 100
0: percent. man that's awesome and then you mentioned at the beginning um well not at the beginning of the episode but when you're answering this question that you really love product marketing and it's like you know this is the second role that you've gone into and like you've been really you know building up within this craft um, but just in general like before you were in this position or in product marketing what made you think this is the area of marketing i want to go into or and mm. you know tell us more of kind of like your your journey or your story
1: and it, I was like, such a good question. It's so funny listening to uh, a couple of episodes of the podcast. I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm now one of many that are coming on and saying, like, oh well, I actually just kind of fell into it. <laughs> it, <laughs> it wasn't intentional, fair which uh, I, w- I, I would say is like a fifty percent accurate answer. I, uh, I didn't know that I wanted to be in product marketing until I knew that product marketing existed as a role. <laughs> totally fair. <And> so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, like it was kind of a funny, uh, kind of a funny experience. So in um, in one of my previous roles, uh, I was working for a corporate relations office, oh, okay. uh, and and so there, I ended up actually doing quite a bit of work um, enabling partnerships between um, university researchers and companies. Um, and along the way, it <laughs> was I ended up working with. Um, students and professors and helping them really kind of hone their value prop put together pitches and things of that nature right and at at one point in that role i wrote down uh everything that i was doing on a whiteboard when we were still in offices with whiteboards um (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i i drew a circle just around all of the things that i really really like doing um and just uh ended up doing a bit of research to be like how do i do that like what right. role is there that would just let me do that part of it? Um, and it was product marketing. And it was wow. as soon as I figured out that those were the things that I wanted to do, and that product marketing was the fit, I was like, cool. Like now I need to get into this space. Um, mm-hmm. And and from there, I think I, I I talked to probably every product marketer in KW that I could <laughs> find.
0: <laughs> the community is is quite um it's quite small. Not like t- terribly small, but small enough that you could talk to pretty much everyone if you if you wanted to
1: <laughs> it was uh yeah it was like it was a little bigger than I initially anticipated, but yeah, so when I was starting to to meet um the product marketers in town at the end of the conversation i would just always ask like oh is there somebody else that uh, that i should talk to about product marketing about getting into the space right. uh, anybody else that you would recommend and i was like i knew that i finished my journey by the time that uh the only names that i would get back were the people that i had already talked to <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's completely fair it's a good way to gauge it and a good way to get, make your list if you can't find some folks too man that's so awesome so maybe I didn't even know cuz like I've been out of KW for a bit so I shouldn't be like oh it's small but I know it's like not crazy big but how many people would you say that you spoke to if you could remember
1: Uh good question good question I like no. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like I could put it at like an easy 10 maybe go on to 15
0: Ooh okay that's kind of what I expected so that's good
1: yeah, I was like, I, I don't know now if that is a small number or a big number, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's big in the sense of, like, just talking to people that were doing one particular role. But I think in general, for, like, product marketers, especially in, like, Silicon of the North, a.k.a. KW, I, I would have thought it would be bigger by now. So, depends who... Well, I was like, this. maybe...
1: <laughs> And I was like, maybe that's just a a mark against my hustle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, you hustled enough because you ended up going into product marketing and liking it on the first go. So, I mean, (laughs) you hustled well. You hustled well.
1: It's, uh, yeah, no, and it, it ended up actually working out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, like, I was so lucky to be able to, to join uh, MyoVision as my first in, in uh, product marketing with yeah. a couple of folks that I had met along the way. And so it was, uh, it was like, the, the first time that it came to, uh, like, actually implement the, the networking strategy and, like, going to the, the career offices at the university when, you know, you get the advice to, uh, to go network. Yeah. Um, I, I would always be like, I, I, I genuinely don't really understand what that actually means. Like, am I going to conferences and just like talking to as many people as possible? And right. I, I, for me personally, I was like, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the best strategy. Like, I mean, certainly go to conferences, talk to people, um, go and explore as much as possible. Be curious. Um, yeah, for sure. But I was like, that. if that was going to be the strategy to open the doors to everything, like that would be such a, such a high volume game uh, that it would be so difficult to get to where you needed to go. For um, sure. Instead, for me, I was like, uh, like the, the, the networking advice, I would absolutely endorse it and promote it, but be mm-hmm. very targeted and you know, message the people who have the job that you would like and go and talk to them. And find out like what is this about how did you get in get their stories mm-hmm. um, and really start to to learn the language of what they're doing and why Definitely. Um, yeah and it like it just goes to, to benefit you so much when you get into the uh, into the interview itself because you already know mm-hmm. um, the language the terminology the pain points the problems and the the things that are common between so many different institutions so that's sure. uh. That would be my my spiel on networking. <laughs>
0: this is good. This is good advice for folks who want to you know go down a similar path, and also like the added benefit too that I find networking. Like even if you are talking to someone that is hiring, like even if you you know might be fresh out of school or not as experienced in that field, even if you don't end up working with that person at that time, you could a end up working there later. Be like they can be a good reference for you, or be like, Oh, like I'm not hiring like someone more entry level or something, but you know, someone in my network is make those introductions. Or C maybe even get a mentor out of it. So it's always nice to just like if people are willing to put in the time, it's nice to just be able to sit down with them and really pick their brain and show interest in what they're doing and, and showcase your interest as well and like keenness to learn, you know, willingness to be teachable, all of those things. So
1: Big time, and yeah. uh, like even through my journey, like there, there's two individuals that stand out uh, for me. Lee mm. Brooks of Cromulent Marketing really opened up the product marketing uh, door for me in uh, the KW area, um, okay. and like yeah, I've definitely continued to lean on him as a mentor um, mm. in the product marketing space. And then Cam Davies, who um, just recently joined Clio. Yes. Um, and I, the same kind of thing. Like, I love talking to uh, to both those guys, and I'm uh, forever grateful to both of them for being able to, to open up the, the product marketing community um, mm-hmm. for me as I was kind of uh, getting started and figuring out what it was all about.
0: No, that's awesome. Shout out to those guys. Hopefully they're listening. <laughs> you never know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Big, big shout outs for sure.
0: Yeah. And I, I know it takes a lot for People to put themselves out there, so you should be really proud that you put yourself out there to, in general, but also to that many people, and that like you got back. I think the work that you put into it, in terms of getting those conversations and those, you know, key things to prep for when you were actually going into the interview process and pursuing the world of product marketing. So things to be learned, friends. <laughs> things to be learned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I like. I hope that uh, I hope that it is helpful. The only other thing that i found somewhat surprising was just um Mm -hmm. like the timelines around it too say that if uh like if somebody's looking at graduating um and moving out into a role that i would almost start implementing that strategy at least a year ahead of time oh wow and why do you say a year uh just because it takes and i mean to a certain degree it kind of depends uh like if you would be ready, if an opportunity opens uh, mm. to be able to jump on it, like I wouldn't really start until somewhat. Uh, you might be ready to start earlier than anticipated, right? But sometimes it just takes a while. So if you yeah. uh, met somebody, it's probably going to take some time before an opportunity opens up at, um, you know, potentially one of their companies. It's going to take some time then for the HR teams to put together the the position offer and then it's going to take some time for you to actually go down the interview road um, and for them to be ready to take you into an organization. So I mean, from the time that uh, an opportunity starts to become available to the time that it can get filled, um, it it just takes time. Okay. Wow.
0: That's interesting to know. Um, Because I know some, yeah, it depends, I guess, on the role, but some can be faster than others, but that's good to keep in mind that it could be like a longer pursuit for a product marketing role, so taking notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and it was like product marketing is a good space to be. There's definitely lots of um, job opportunities that are currently open on that front. So yeah, yeah I would definitely um, encourage folks that have that interest and that have that kind of um, macro level perspective of uh, of problems to be able to. Uh, I would definitely encourage them to uh, to explore it.
0: Yeah, awesome. And then one thing I wanted to ask, because at the beginning, if people remember, you said that you have your PhD in film studies. And I was curious um, if there's anything from, you know, your time in education um, that you found has actually been helpful now that you're in product marketing.
1: And and absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) This is really good. And it, I was yeah. like, it was actually really interesting uh, for me. So then, then I feel like I had a my journey into product marketing more or less was like a parallel journey of moving from academia out into uh, out into the corporate sphere. Right. Um, and so I almost like I was almost implementing product marketing strategies while I was moving along. Right. Um, but it was really interesting. So along the way, I really actually had to clarify, like, what, like, what are my personal value props? Like, right. what am I bringing to the table? What am I able to do? You know, what from my background is going to be able to contribute to this role that would make sense to people for them to say yes? Like, I buy your story, and yes, this seems like a valid fit for uh, for our organization. Right. Um, and so what's interesting is that. For my PhD studies you end up doing like you end up collecting information from you know a hundred different sources to be able to put together uh, or hundreds of sources Mm -hmm. uh, to put together your dissertation and I mean to a certain degree it's like that's almost what um, product marketing is all about it's like go out and talk to your customers go out and talk to your uh, subject matter experts internally go out and collect uh, competitive information from uh, competitors websites from brochures from other areas mm-hmm. take all of that stuff and then be able to to synthesize it and distill it um for different audiences and i mean this is exactly what i was doing uh during my uh, dissertation research you know go and yeah. read all of these different texts bring it together distill it and put it together in a, a story and a flow that makes sense to the people that are reading your dissertation so that that piece of it has been hugely, hugely helpful. Um, And beyond that, like, I think Mm -hmm. that just going down, uh, like the grad studies route, you learn to, you really learn to learn. Um, and you really learn to be a great, uh, writer communicator. And you also end up like your, um, I would say, and maybe this isn't the the right terminology, but like your intellectual endurance, Mm -hmm. um, is, is pretty incredible. So after going down a road like that and going through some of the, the difficult research that you do under such strict timelines, right? Um, coming out the other side, it's like, oh, okay, like I know how to learn and I know how to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and both of definitely. those things have been hugely, hugely beneficial.
0: Man, that's awesome. Because I feel like maybe this wasn't like maybe you had a similar experience or not, but I found that um, like when I was still studying English and whatnot, like Basically, the only careers that were kind of heavily advertised, I would say, were like going into publishing or maybe going to journalism. And, you know, I had not not all did I have a linear path. Like I went into publishing, but on the sales side. And then I was in sales. And then, you know, I've done different types of marketing. Um, But, you know, it's kind of strange, like looking back and I'm like, there's so many things I learned in school that are totally applicable to what I do every single day but it just like wasn't as publicized as like a viable career path for someone that has studied what I studied. So it's just interesting looking back, like whether you hear about it outright or not, but just to see like that, even though it's not like you studied to become a product marketer, that what you you know spent so much time and energy pursuing from an educational standpoint still applies today and like is helping you to be good at your job. So I think that's really interesting and really awesome so
1: yeah and then yeah. like for me so mm-hmm. much of um like so much of it is just like learning how to be adaptable and go, I think English uh lit and film studies are really interesting in particular because you just end up getting to like go through so many different scenarios in uh, mm-hmm. in your own head thinking about different characters different motivations um and all of that kind of um like mental uh work I think is very applicable in uh, like the sales uh, environment in product marketing in marketing in general like there's a ton of areas that you can bring all of that to
0: definitely and also like I think a common thread like whether you go into sales or marketing or or any sort of roles like that is that there is the element of storytelling and being a good communicator as you mentioned and you know tying that thread together from start to finish and that's something that you know, we were practicing every day um, through different media. And now we've been able to, you know, apply in a different sense again, a different field to different audiences and all that kind of stuff. So super valuable.
1: Super, super valuable. And uh, like another interesting angle on it, too, I think is the mm-hmm. UX front, like human centric design. Um, yeah. Like it, Again, it's just another one of those areas where the the art side of it uh, definitely has. um some space to, space to grow. And to a certain degree, like I, it'll be interesting, I think in the the next couple of years to see how arts programs adapt. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is definitely like huge value in the programs. Uh, I just don't know that it's super clear right now, exactly how those um, skill sets are applied out in the field. And I think as um, some of the folks like you and I who have gone on to do other things, um, may have some work to do to go back to some of those departments to say, like, hey, have you thought about these other roles? <laughs> yeah,
0: this is what we've learned by being out in the field. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hey, first research. Yeah, if they'll take our input, like, I'm here for it. I would love to see it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. And then now that you've basically had this um, long pursuit, aka, like, you know, realizing that product marketing was the role that fit what you wanted to be doing for work, you know, taking that all of that time to, you know, set up opportunities for networking, you know, interviewing, getting hired, and then now sticking with product marketing with all of those learnings in mind. And, you know, even just looking at the last year and how things have changed and again, how people have had to adapt in terms of work. um, Do you have any predictions about product marketing and kind of where you see things going and, If you do have any predictions, are there things? Are they things that you're hoping will continue, or things that you're hoping will kind of fizzle out or fall flat because of their current state?
1: No, I and really good question. Like for, I think for product marketing specifically, like I think Mm -hmm. there's a a huge amount of um, growth ahead for this kind of role, Um, and I think in part that'll be. probably like exacerbated by the amount of um, content that went into people's inboxes in 2020. Right. Like because everybody's um, uh, been at home, digital marketing, digital advertising obviously took off in 2020. Mm-hmm. I think that making sure that you are getting your message um, right, making sure that companies are thinking about um, valuing people's time Um, And making sure that for every bit of content that gets out there, that there Mm -hmm. is, um, like, good value in it for, you know, the reader, the user, whoever's looking at it, so that you're, um, like, capitalizing on the time that they, that the user or the the individual is giving you, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like, I think that those things are going to become increasingly important. Um, especially as people start to, to get back out. You know, once we get on the other side of the pandemic and um, yeah. people start to explore again, they have other uh, things taking their interest, um, we'll definitely want to make sure that, uh, that we are getting the story straight and that we are telling the most uh, valuable story that we can each and every time. And so mm-hmm. I think that that uh, trend for product marketers is only going to, uh, going to increase um, and I'm happy about that, actually. Like uh, as a consumer, I feel like I'm uh, a bit of a grumpy consumer and I, <laughs> I, I, I'm very intolerant of um, of companies that don't tell good stories or that um, tell stories that, that don't really provide value and that I feel like yeah. my time is wasted. It's like <laughs> the biggest frustration.
0: No, I'm honestly the same way. I lose patience very quickly and I don't know if it's because of the amount of information that's constantly being thrown at us or just like trying to sift through any sort of BS and just really find what I'm looking for. Like, I feel like I've become really impatient because of the fact that we've become such a digital first world. We were already moving that way, but I think it's been accelerated because of the pandemic as well. So now I'm just like, I need my information that I'm looking for or X thing that I'm looking for and I need it now. Like, I don't want to deal with any fluff or noise or anything like that. So we're both grumpy. It's cool. (laughs)
1: i uh, I, yeah and uh, i think it'll be interesting like if that is uh, a sentiment that is kind of consistent um across Mm -hmm. markets out there and if that is the case then it's like we are going to have to get very good at telling the story but also getting the information that people want near the top um and making sure that their their experience is a positive one um i think it's going to be almost very easy to um uh for consumers to be irritated and um to be dismissive of the messages that are out there Definitely. just because there is so much content and i like we're almost trained at this point um to have our like bs meters on full all the time it's 100%. like when, whenever somebody's sending me something i'm like what do you want and why do you want it <laughs> just give me the goods yeah
0: gotta question everything <laughs> and i think also like in terms of not only providing value but even as you mentioned about like the UX side of things um i feel like that as well as is, is something that people have a higher ex- expectation around um like it, like yeah. things just being seamless in terms of like not only the information being provided like having good value but the access to information being a seamless easy process cuz like even like my partner's dad for instance like he um he's like a contractor and he you know, has other vendors that he prefers, but if he has to get stuff online so he can, like, you know, set up his curbside pickup, he's decided now that he's, like, exclusively trying to get things at Home Depot because, like, I can find everything I want on their website, so it, like, saves me time and, like, keeps things efficient. So, I think that he's just, like, one person, obviously, but I think that that's, like, a sentiment that I've seen grow, especially over the last year, is people just wanting to find things easily and, yeah, not have their time wasted, as you mentioned, so...
1: I uh, and I I don't see that that trend uh, diminishing anytime soon no, like neither. in a yeah let me get in let me get what I want let me get out
0: yeah so that's a a word of warning to to people out there no I'm kidding <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh but uh, I mean I think that that's a, a like a, a fair warning
0: <laughs> yeah but I don't want to be making threats on the podcast you know might get taken no, off no, the air. no!
1: But i was <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on here and I've on, created all sorts of controversy. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that.
0: Can't have that right now. <laughs> but yeah, I really do think that if people want to, like, you know, be su- continue to be successful and like continue to survive, especially in the digital age, like, you just have to give the people what they want. As cliche as that sounds, you got to give the people what they want, and what they want is access and good value
1: yeah which is so interesting too. I was like, at what point did like accessing good value get less valued? <laughs> why was that not yeah. a thing in the first place?
0: honestly that's a honestly that's a great question and i I don't know what like yeah why we s- had to deal with certain things or like settle for certain things beforehand, but now we've seen the other side and like how good things can be um but i feel like it comes down to like something as simple as like it wasn't like deemed necessary or like people weren't as demanding for it because there was just different ways of you know consuming or you know purchasing things or doing research that i think weren't as instantaneous and now we've like progressed towards a more instantaneous um i guess pursuit of knowledge so to speak so maybe it's like just try, like it's kind of a slower adaptation. I don't know, that made sense, but I think I you did, get it.
1: <laughs> I, I'm totally with you. I'm totally okay, cool. with you. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wonder if it is also just a byproduct. Like, there's so much information out there that I yeah. like. I'm very aware of now what I don't know because of the sheer volume of stuff that's out there. Oh, big time! And so. As I'm as I'm going to learn what I feel like is um, is valuable to me, what I should be spending my time on. I'm Mm. also very aware of uh, of the time that I'm spending that I feel is like, quote unquote, wasted. And so I think that that's also part of it where it's like, oh, I've got so much, you know, so much possible learning to do. um, And I I don't appreciate it (laughs) when some of that time gets sucked up in things that are less valuable.
0: 100%. Yeah, honestly, I, I do agree with you there. And I, I think that especially as people that are like still like somewhat new in our current fields, like we, we really have to be conscious about what we're taking in and like, yeah, if it's actually going to help us to move forward in our thinking or whatever the case is, because we're, we have to learn constantly, I think, to keep up. (laughs) So don't want to lose any time to anything that's not worth that, worth our energy.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was like, I, uh, to a certain degree, I was like, <laughs> I feel like we made that sound like um, almost too much like hustle culture. <laughs> yeah, and I, <laughs> I can't don't not like I don't do anything but learn, and it's like, no, no, no. Like, That's we, all we mean. We do both. also. Yeah. <laughs> but. I, uh, like on the other side of it, I guess the other point too is that it's like, well, yeah. cool. I like I also recognize that I need my downtime, I need to be able to relax, I need to make True. sure that I um, am staying in good mental health. Yeah, I'm very conscious just of, uh, of my time in general. And I was like, I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean that to sound like, uh, like a full push for hustle culture or anything that, like yeah. that by any means. It's just um, like that I'm also very aware of the downtime that I need just to be able to uh, like stay focused, feel good, uh, mm. to be mentally healthy. And so it's the same kind of thing where it's like if I'm not um, like if I'm not uh, learning or if I'm not taking that time to be able to rest or to focus in like really on the things that I want to do or the things that that I like to spend my time doing, uh, that's really, I think the part where I get, uh, I get grumpy about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah, I think it's important to have like that balance between productivity and then also knowing when to just kind of not shut down, but kind of, you know, step away from more, um, like high energy type of things and just, yeah, take that downtime, take that time to rest. And I feel like in the last year in particular, it's been something to learn because it's, so much easier especially like at points when we're in lockdowns kind of like right now <laughs> it's like well you know what else can I be doing like obviously I could just work more and you know you might forget to maintain your ba- your boundaries right so it's important to you know keep that balance in mind between like how you're spending your time and still like have ways that you're dividing up your day and you know things that you're spending time doing whether it be hobbies or you know resting all that kind of stuff so
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I like, I I think it's good for it. Well, obviously it's good for us as people, but Mm -hmm. like, I also find it interesting to go down that road because I think it helps us be more well-rounded people as well. Like, uh, going out and, uh, exploring, going out and adventuring for me, um, helps me rest, gives me interesting things to talk about, like my story about Frankie, the adventure pug. So, I mean, (laughs) all all of it comes full circle.
0: (laughs) Yes, no, it really does and like it's and especially like with your dog for instance too i feel like um this was a good time for people to get dogs if they were thinking about getting a pet or feeling like they were ready because it's like such a way to break up your day where you you still think about them obviously but like you know that it has to be done like you know you're gonna be going outside you know taking that time away from your screen getting that fresh air and just like being in the moment and i think that's such a good benefit to having a pet but also like there's different ways to carve out those moments too so yeah
1: I agree and the, those walk times like the my morning um, and evening walk with uh, with Frankie mm-hmm. are usually like my thinking decompressed times for sure and uh, like I used to have that when uh when I was at work, it would either be my drive home, my drive there, my walk home, my walk there. I'd always just kind of um, end up playing through the day a little bit and kind of breaking it down and mm-hmm. picking out some of those things where I was like, oh, this is, I think, actually the the really good learning from the day or, you know, just some of those pieces that um, I find it's easier to lose when we're in the work from home environment because you aren't necessarily taking those breaks. For and sure. often I don't really realize that, I haven't done my decompression until I like lie down to go to sleep and I'm like, holy smokes, my, <laughs> yeah. my brain is just firing. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll decompress now, I guess. Go to sleep in like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get that. And one thing I've been doing too to kind of help with that is just like, A, still doing walks and stuff, but also I've been like keeping like a bullet journal as well. So like if there's things that I'm thinking about, like I'll just kind of write them down and then I'll like reflect on them usually like either at the start or just before the work day or, like, sometimes I write stuff at night just to, like, have it on paper and then I'll, like, reflect on it the next day. So it just depends. But I like to kind of keep, like, a physical record of things that have stuck with me and then reflect on them at, like, a later time. But at least I know that I won't forget about it because it's written down somewhere. So that's been helpful. I
1: like that. Thanks. I'm a- I might have to adopt that. Keep a little notebook
0: on your nightstand or something?
1: <laughs> well, I've got... I definitely have the notebook, but it's always just, like filled with random notes that aren't uh I wouldn't say that it's like a a bullet journal and I was like I like that idea just being able to pull out some of the highlights and uh to capture them I think that's a great practice
0: thanks Mike let me know if you try
1: it (laughs) (laughs) you're just giving me great
0: boosts here I love it (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well, it's like we can have like a, a six month reconvene I'll let you know how it's going <laughs> yeah please
0: do I'll definitely ask you like next week but let's pretend that we'll wait six months to talk about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the people for the people oh, love it
1: man.
0: and then kind of I think like what we've just been talking about to kind of segues well into like the next thought um, but you know talk about the balance between being productive and you know finding moments for rest and reflection um, are there other things that you do either directly or indirectly to kind of improve your craft when you're not like when it's not during the workday or how do you go about that? If, if at all, some people don't, which is cool too.
1: <laughs> well, and I, like, yeah, it was like it, the, it is an interesting one to be able to break it up between like intentional pursuits to better your craft and then mm. the unintentional pursuits to better your craft because they're, they're, I would say that I do both of those things and they obviously look very different. Yeah, um, definitely. On the, on the intentional side, like a, the same kind of thing, like I, I love tracking down other product marketing managers just to hear, like, what are they working on? How are they thinking? How are they approaching their craft? What's different? What's the same? Um, and yeah. the, like, for me, I find that hugely energizing as well, um, just to be able to, to get that kind of different kind of insight and different kind of uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, there's uh, there's some pretty good product marketing organizations out there, uh, like the Product Marketing Alliance or the yep. Pragmatic Marketing um, Institute. Um, and both of those have fantastic resources um, that would really help any new product marketer get into the field and kind of um, get a jumpstart on how to approach the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say that those are the the big ones on the, the intentional side. On the unintentional side, um, like I just continue to pursue my curiosity. Like I'll read uh, trashy fantasy novels, or maybe I shouldn't say trashy. Like I think <laughs> I'm on book nine of The Wheel of Time right now, which has been a huge endeavor. Um, wow. But for me, it's like it's nice to be able to relax and the same kind of thing. Like just letting uh, letting my mind go, letting my mind wander. I feel like is beneficial for uh, for the craft. Um, outside of that, um, you know, just the, you know, continuing to explore, um, and reading about like new discoveries or, um, like different kinds of, um, uh, different kinds of like, yeah, just different scientific discoveries, new math discoveries, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I always find, again, is hugely beneficial, um, just because you there's so many things that you don't know are relevant to what you're doing until you're like three quarters of the way into a conversation. It's like, oh, wait, that actually sounds like very similar to this like recently, I don't know, discovered, disputed, um, mm-hmm. explored thing that I just read about, um, you know, on um, like I Love Science or... Uh, like listen to you on the Freakonomics podcast um, mm-hmm. or even here um, with middle movers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Show plug on the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to get it in there. It's true. But it, I, I'm I do. I was like, I really, uh, I really like your uh, podcast. And I was like, some of the people that have been on so far, I was like, I feel so humbled to be in there, um, in their sphere, like, honestly. <laughs> oh.
0: That's so nice. I'm sure that when they listen to this, because I know they're still listening too, um, they'll be very happy to hear that. Because I think for pretty much everyone that's come on, or maybe even everyone, like it was their first podcast experience as well. And like, I've never hosted a podcast. So it's been cool to like, you know, share that experience with other people. And like, now people can know what it's like, or what it could be like, if they decide to do something like this again, and like, move out of their comfort zone, which I think is important. So it's I a happy agree. time for everybody.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.
0: Um and then I think what I would love to know is cuz you've definitely given I think this whole podcast has been, well not the whole thing, but a lot of it is like you've been giving like little tidbits of advice throughout, which I think is awesome because like I feel like you've learned so much, um, you know, like changing even different industries but kind of, you know, doing the same role and everything like that. Um, but was there anything, like, maybe you have, like, one statement or, like, piece of sage wisdom that you'd want to put out there for the people um, that are, like, trying to go into product marketing or even just thinking about changing their career path in general?
1: Yeah, and, uh, like, it really is that, the the quote-unquote networking piece, but, like, yeah, I would uh, – I would do your best to try and talk to the people who have the jobs that you want. Um, that for me has been a, a huge, huge benefit, but yeah. also just to be genuine and respectful when, uh, when you're reaching out to them. Like if, uh, if you're sending out uh, kind of like mass messages that aren't personalized <laughs> and that yeah. aren't super, uh, relevant to that individual, then, um, I was like, that's less productive for sure. But You know, if there is uh, that person that you want to meet, that you would be really curious to hear um, what their experience has been like, Mm -hmm. absolutely reach out to them. Put yourself out there and uh, and see what happens. I mean, certainly, if uh, it's okay, if there's some no's along the way, but there will be some yeses, and take advantage of those because they're hugely, hugely beneficial.
0: Definitely, I think that's great advice, and I think it's been a bit harder for folks, especially in the last bit, because like we don't have the luxury of, you know, doing large in-person like conferences or networking events. But even I was talking about this with another, like an earlier guest, um, Daniela, and how she's like used this time. And like this last year has really been the time where she's actually established like, you know, better mentorships and also been able to mentor other people and things like that. So, I mean, it's always good to put yourself out there. And like, I feel like even though it's not going to be the same type of meeting with someone like you said like at the beginning there's no way for or there's gonna have to be a change towards saying oh we haven't met yet when like pretty much all of us are doing things digitally so don't let that kind of be a barrier to you still finding ways to have conversations and you know meet with those people who you think you could learn a lot from
1: And it's kind of funny, actually, I think that one of the big benefits of coming out of the um, the other side of all the virtual meetings that we've got is that people Mm -hmm. are people are used to it. They're familiar with um, they're familiar with virtual meetings. Um, A lot of people have met online over the last year um, as new people have come into the organizations. And so I think it's actually a great time to reach out and to say, like, hey. Let's set up a half an hour coffee chat and um, let's do it online. Um, yeah. It's less time commitment on their side. They don't have to drive anywhere. <laughs> that's true. And uh, I mean, you still get the opportunity to chat. I was like, uh, to a certain degree, it's bringing back uh, the phone call. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which is like, I think people, maybe that's apprehension, but also like, I feel like it's just something you have to adapt to. And I think it's nice too, to just kind of be I agree. in your own environment and... I feel like people might even be more relaxed. Uh, they might have been more nervous, you know, like meeting up with someone that they've never met before at like a place they've never gone to, and you know, just you know, all the stimulus that comes with that versus like being focused and in your own environment that you can control more. I feel like that would be more helpful in like a situation like that, personally.
1: But Yeah, I, and it, I, and to a certain degree, I was like, if uh, mm-hmm. if it's not going well, it's an easy exit. <laughs> it's
0: true. Oh, my internet cut out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever you want to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. But yeah, I would say that that is uh, like the one bit of advice. Well, I guess maybe the other one is just to to like keep on that self reflection too. Like yeah. you know if you're if you're in a role, um, you know, spend some time looking at those elements that you really like doing. Um, mm-hmm. Look at those elements that you really don't like doing, and let those inform the 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 pursuit of the, the next steps um, that was really, really helpful for me in uh, in finding my spot here in the, the PMM world. No, that's
0: awesome. That's really good advice. Um, and yeah, I think it's important to not settle um, especially as we're like at this point in our, in our careers. Like I think, I think you can take risks and try new things and pivot at any point, but I feel like especially when you're earlier on, it's like a lot easier to make those transitions. Um, and try different things and experiment. So, good to reflect, yeah. definitely.
1: And it all, like, it all contributes to uh, to your career journey. And I mean, For sure. even in interviews now, it's like I'll pull little pieces from all of the different roles that I've had, whether it's been um, in the the no, a long time ago as a salesperson, um, or in sales enablement, instructional design, even as a a lecturer, like I've definitely had a few roles along the way, but each of them has brought a little bit more to the table. Mm -hmm. And again, just lets me help me tell my story of how I got here and what I can offer to uh, an organization.
0: For sure. And yeah, I think it's nice. Like I like when you're you know in an interview situation you really get to tell your story because like as you mentioned earlier like it might be a little bit harder for someone that doesn't have like a clear path or like it might not even seem obvious to the person that you're sitting down with um, like why you would be a good fit but once you have time to kind of um reflect on what it is that you've been doing you know things that you've tried different things that you've been successful with or even different failures you've had and like being able to tie all those things into the story and like how those would help you be successful in whatever role it is that you're pursuing I think um yeah practicing that in a more regular sense in terms of the the reflection piece can really um be beneficial to a person so
1: hugely beneficial I would definitely advocate um that people practice telling the story. Like, I mean, coming out of the PhD program, I remember telling some people what my dissertation was about and just seeing their like, face go <laughs> flat with the glassy eyes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not landing well. So, like, feel free to A-B test your story and cherry pick those parts that land. And yeah. uh, I would say, like, don't ever assume that somebody else would be able to infer like the the benefits of what you bring to an organization like don't let them tell your story i was i would say for the most yeah. part like people's other people's imaginations i'm disappointed in and they don't have the time to devote to it so make sure you're telling your story and do it well yourself
0: <laughs> man that's wow that's a great quote We're gonna put that in the show notes <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god that's awesome um And then the one thing that I've been stuck on since the beginning, but I wanted to ask at the very end, was that you were kind of mentioning about what you want to do with your career and like how you're hoping to one day, you know, touch onto that director piece. Um, Is that kind of like where you hope um, is that like, would that be like your pinnacle product marketing moment or do you see other things in like a longer term sense of what you want to do for your career?
1: i gotta know good good, <laughs> good 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 question um i would say that it's definitely like one of the one of the the points that i would like to hit so um yeah like in the pmm roles like it, it, it there is a pretty like natural progression between you know pmm or associate pmm into pmm into senior pmm and then you can get on to kind of a director role but mm-hmm. the the part that i am really interested in that I really like is the the people management so I would love to have my own team of, uh, of PMMs at some point uh, and I think that that would be really great um, yeah but uh, where the next step is after that I'm not sure and this is like uh, this is the point where I'll have to take my own advice and start reaching out to some of the people that have interesting roles that I might be curious about mm. and like I've seen some PMMs uh, move out into like chief strategy officer roles or, uh, revenue, um, like revenue related roles. And Mm -hmm. those to me, both seem really interesting. And I would be curious to see like how, uh, my skills as a PMM would lead into something like that. But for the, for the near term, like, uh, I definitely have some work to do just to, to shore up my skills as a PMM, learn as much as I can here, um, and get really good at this because I like doing it. And mm-hmm. I like being good at the things that I do.
0: <laughs> that we know. And you are really good at the stuff you do. So keep up. Keep up the much, great work, friend. Much
1: appreciated. <laughs> of
0: course. And I really do think that you'll be a good p- people manager because I've obviously seen firsthand how you are like in front of a group of people and like teaching them. So there's that piece. And then also like from maybe my perspective like just in this conversation like i feel like that's another way for you to pay it forward for people who will one day be in your position or looking to be in your position like getting into product marketing so i think it'd be really good to see that happen
1: i love this i was like we're we're both just sending out like uh just super super nice things to say
0: <laughs> all the good vibes you gotta put the good vibes out there right it's how it
1: is i love i like it i like it and thank you much much appreciated
0: oh my pleasure thanks so much for gracing us with your presence and for coming on the show uh, i know it was your first one like i think that's been kind of the trend i've been going for here but um yeah i think this was a really awesome conversation it's i'm glad we got to catch up too it was nice
1: yeah i'm glad we got to catch up too and thanks so much for having me on here like i said it like uh for me, it is very humbling to be uh, to be on a show with as many other great people uh, as you've had on here. So, thanks for the invite; I really appreciate it. Of course.
0: All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Stay tuned for the next episode.